Hello and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast, our Saudi Arabia Grand Prix review. A Grand Prix that I enjoyed. I thought it was a good race and there were a fair few talking points to come out of it. Yeah, it was an enjoyable weekend and I'm here with Nigel and Freddie, as usual, to discuss the race. So how are you both doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Um, back from my... Um weekend getaway got back in time for the race so that's all very good uh it was nice to see you guys um fill in uh for the for the quite a reaction pod i thought you did a very good job you didn't say that before the podcast uh, but thanks <laughs> i'm joking no uh uh yeah i'm all right as well uh i don't, I don't know why i said that so that just came out already yeah i'm all right I've been on the track it was a great weekend obviously off the track there's a lot happening uh, but yeah, the racing that we did get was was just fantastic, really. Totally, it was a very storied weekend, wasn't it? It really was, yeah. And we, as alluded to, then we discussed some of the stories from earlier in the weekend up to qualifying. Me and Nigel did on Saturday night. So yeah, we'll be discussing the race today. And I guess the first place or the best place to start is first place. Max Verstappen took his first win of the season, his first win since Abu Dhabi last year. Um, and he left it quite late. He hmm. was trailing Leclerc for most of the race and then got, there was a bit of cast and mouse at the end with the DRS and in the end, Verstappen, who looked like he had the faster car at the end, was able to get the move done. So, Freddie, do you think it was a deserved win for Max Verstappen? I think it was a deserved win for Max Verstappen and for Charles Leclerc. Um, I think after the first safety car, it was a chase. It It felt like, both of them at points were running away from the other and hunting the other one down. And it felt frenetic for the whole thing. And they both were clever in their racing. They both were absolutely blistering in their pace. And what more do you want from a lead battle really than that? It was two drivers who were just naturally God-given immense people at driving cars and uh, they're very good basically and they did they they showed it they didn't put many feet wrong yeah very similar to Bahrain I thought they were both just going punch for punch trading fastest set to times fastest laps after that uh first safety car and it was just fantastic to watch you know but then to pull away from Sainz and, and Perez who are both you know they're not exactly the worst drivers on the grid. They're both excellent drivers. So for them to pull away was just incredible. And then the battle we had, it was such a, it was a great battle. It was a bit of a weird one with the way the DRS works and, mm. and stuff like that. But I think both drivers were just so smart. If anything, Leclerc was a bit smarter for me because he caught on to it a bit earlier. And then it took took Verstappen uh, three or four laps to to kind of do the move uh, but he did in the end that's the main thing he utilised the top speed of the Red Bull uh, Red Bull went for a low downforce package and that might have been the only difference really because if uh, Ferrari perhaps used used a, a smaller rear uh, wing perhaps Leclerc could have held uh, the snapping off perhaps uh, but apart from that both drivers were just outstanding Freddie agree completely agree with that um, both outstanding and I agree that the, it's mad that they were so far ahead of Perez and Sainz like their pace this weekend was phenomenal as well obviously Checo's pole and 
and science was up there all weekend on on that pace so it just seems to be that they these two can get to such a level in the race that yeah. it's mind-boggling this early in the season they can pull to such a level that it's it it's one of those things that is just we all spoke about sort of i know lewis in brazil where you can just be just that extra bit mega and it's kind of like oh wow are these guys just doing that extra bit already straight away together that's a I me mean, it's ahead of a uh, conversation to have but the fact that they just are effortlessly fantastic is yeah. is is brilliant I think, I think Red Bull's already kind of planned that attack in the final 10 laps by telling the staff and save the tyres a little bit save the engine a tiny bit and it paid off in the end so Red Bull you, you got to give credit to them as well for doing that strategy and then the staff and obviously you know what was able to you know to do, do it really so uh, yeah, I think both teams did really well. And it's also a really respectful bike so far, of course. Uh, but both drivers... Oh, but you know, refreshingly uh, so. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it was just great racing. And that's exactly mm. what we ask for. And so far, Bahrain and Saudi, we've had exactly that. Mm. And on, on that point, um, it's really... With, with kind of last season and Mercedes, and you can kind of see in interviews, and they cover this a lot more on Drive to Survive, that it's kind of war and it's a battle and it's a fight and you've got to sacrifice everything. There's big dramatic drum music in the background. And it's just like, I think I was getting a bit fatigued with that, just kind of like <laughs> all out total warfare between Mercedes and Rebel. And it is kind of nice to have that throttle back a bit and just focus on the track and have kind of great respectful racing on the track and not kind of so many antics off it where whether we'll get that kind yeah. of throughout the season i don't know but yeah i'm kind of i am really welcoming that so well, far whether that's going to be the case at um japan or around that kind of station season we don't know but um there always felt to me like there was a lot of pre-baked in aggro from red bull to mercedes and it looked like they just pushed mercedes to flipping back last year whereas i think just because it's Ferrari and from Rebel, there's a bit more kind of just respect for that because Ferrari is Ferrari. Everyone loves Ferrari. Everyone's a Tifosi in a small way because you just look at them and think, yeah, they they have to be there. That's Whereas I think Rebel looked at Mercedes a bit more and kind of thought, um, you've stolen our crown. I think they look at Ferrari and think, you always deserve to be at least the prince. And I think there's a bit more kind of respect from just the Red Bull camp towards Ferrari anyway and whether that, that goes back to sort of um, Christian Horner's leadership role but also probably goes back to um, Rebel kind of nicking Max Verstappen from under Mercedes nose in 2014 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 whenever Mercedes tried to make a sniff at him that's all but confirmed really that all that really that all those snatches were attempted yeah and on kind of on that, what did you both make of the kind of cat and mouse battle between Leclerc and Verstappen in the closing stages? And there's, it was very much neither driver wanted to be first going onto the main straight because of the DRS. So, do you think that ever crossed the line, or do you think it was just smart racing? I think it was smart, very smart. I think Leclerc, like I said, was a bit smarter, if anything, because especially at the time when he great and then floored the throttle yeah. with yeah. Stafford had a massive oversteer moment uh, which cost him uh, so I think Leclerc showed his class uh, and again you know and Verstappen last year 
more often than not, he had the better of Hamilton when they were side by side. But I'd, I'd say so far this year, Leclerc has been slightly better, definitely in Bahrain, and I'd say so in Saudi as well, even though he 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 he, he came second. So uh, yeah, I think it was clean, fair, exciting racing. There's a nice new element that is kind of pacing the racecraft, and we you know we, we always talk about looking after their tyres and that kind of thing, and then. Um, going for an attack and then the attack's kind of got to stick them but this new kind of crazy kind of race format that we had there yeah a bit with the track and the double drs zone there really um but you will probably have something similar to that in in melbourne you could say as well but with the double drs down the main straight and the the secondary straight they're not as long but they're still a thing and um you look at that and kind of there's a whole new level of racecraft they've got to think laps and laps and lap well they've always got to be three sectors ahead anyway in their mind. They've got to think to the next lap when they're doing a move, but you've also then got to think in the moment and think ahead of that. And the sheer capacity for this kind of racecraft is, is, is excellent. And yeah. it's a whole new level to it. And I think, you know, even when um, <laughs> the staff and lot the rears at 10 miles an hour or something, and it looked like he's going to spin at one point when they were both locking yeah. up, yeah, that was the only bit where you kind of think, ah, but I think every point that's the right idea for the race, and that's racing, surely. So yeah, you can I call think, it silly, but that's racing. I think the, the car control, just the, the way that both drivers can apply the throttle, apply the brakes, you know, turn at the right time, get close to the walls, take risks, all of that put together, Breathe. and to do it side by side, lap after lap. Uh, got tired bodies, tired minds. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah, they all look shattered, didn't they? Wow. I mean, mm. absolutely beaten up after that one. Yes, I agree. No, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's again. It was kind of nice to see it. You know, not crossing the line because I think at points last season, and we discussed it at length on the podcast, the the Stafford Hamilton battle did cross the line. So yeah, I agree. It was. Um, you know, it was interesting racing. It was maybe unorthodox, but I don't think it was at that stage. Freddie, you want to say something? Speak. We had we had a similar principle with you know looking for DRS with Max and Lewis, but it felt unsafe. At yes. this point, that racing felt controlled and excellent. It didn't feel like it was crossing a line. I don't know if that's because it's race two and not race twenty one, but and whether there would have been more of a kind of um a, a few. A lot, a few fewer inches spared if it were that point in the season at this track, and maybe we'd be blessed with it being at this point when everyone's hunky dory. But it's um, much better to see it this in this way than it was in 2021. A race, I think, we all um, lost, lost hair at. Yeah, mm. I mean, I think. You saw, maybe not to the same extent, but even at the start of last season and at Bahrain and Imola, the two that come to mind most, you did still see there was that, you know, both drivers going completely to the edge. Um, you know, and I don't, I just think that's not there this season. So, yeah, I think we've said enough on that, unless anyone wants all, to add any more. All, all, all it's going to take, though, is one incident. One incident. That is a good point. And then it could all, you know, go wrong. And so, yes, true. You know, and that could happen in Australia. It could happen in Silverstone. It could happen in Brazil. You know, so yeah. Yes. Place your so bets. That, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Nigel, what was your... Do you think Perez was unlucky or do you think he would have lost out in the end anyway? Yeah, I think he was unlucky because... Well, I don't think he, he, he would have won, but he certainly missed out on a podium because... Uh, Without had it been normal, even Verstappen might not have had him uh, with the way the pit stops worked and stuff like that. So it was definitely unlucky. And up until then, he'd, he'd, he'd had a perfect weekend pole position, great start, was comfortably leading. And then McClure kind of forced him into that pit stop uh, with some great, great pace there. Uh, but yeah, uh, a bit unlucky. And then after that, he just never got going because he had to give the place back to science uh, for the pit exit uh, merge which was a bit controversial uh, and then yeah we didn't, we didn't really see too much of him after that so it wasn't too much more Perez could, 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 could have done uh, so yeah Brilliant. yeah I mean yeah I, I, mean, I said earlier that Perez and Science, their pace was really good all through the weekend and it just seemed to be that it looked like Verstappen and Leclerc went to another level where they both could sense the win and that they would be the fight. I did feel earlier on that Leclerc was humouring Perez a bit and just pacing himself. Um, whether Ferrari tricked Rebel into a pit stop, we don't know. But um, did. I, I, think, did. I think yeah, I, I think, think they did, did considering they're like, ooh, we box know. to overtake. Oh yeah, let's box to overtake. Um, what are we, we going to overtake? Um, and they did um, without boxing. And um, it's so I do think I don't think. Perez would have won from where he was, but I think he did phenomenally, and it's such a shame he was messed over with that. Um, yeah. And I, I would, I would say, I would actually think Science is less likely to win the championship than Perez now, based on that weekend. For some reason, that's just the gut instinct I have, and it's completely wrong based on everything. You can't but say just, that based on two races. No, no you no, can't. You can't be certain of it, but you can still. It's just. Say it. Hence the likely, not certainty, uh, as I said. As you're right, Adam. And but it's just that's my where my gut sits now. It changes every day, though. You know this, Nigel. But that's where my gut sits now. And every second, I was I, I was really just really impressed with Checo this weekend. So I I don't think either of them are likely to win the championship, really. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just just the way it is. But yeah, I think I think it was a great Perez- quote. There was a great quote from Nico Hulkenberg. He said, um, someone's like, oh, also play for this weekend. He goes, well, mathematically, I can still win the championship, so let's go. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I thought Perez was unlucky. I thought he definitely should have got a podium at least based off how he was doing in qualifying, but it's the way the, way the sport and the way F1 works. And yeah, he was uh, lucky. But he also lost out. He lost out uh, to... Leclerc and Verstappen in the pit stop window and then he subsequently lost out to Sainz at the safety car restart and Nigel you had some thoughts about the stewarding this week including that uh, yeah I'm not happy about that because the Sainz lost the chance to attack Verstappen why why did they swap them during the safety car I don't know because it was quite clear that Sainz was ahead at the white line I don't understand why they didn't swap them so if I was Sainz, I would have, well, Sainz clearly, clearly, clearly wasn't happy, but uh, I don't think it was right. And it's something to look at. And it was one of quite a few decisions which I thought, why 
did that happen kind of thing. So I agree. Yeah, that's 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 the first of them. I have no idea why. And it was kind of glossed over as well because science ended up finishing third. And it might not have made a difference to, to the final result, but you never know. You know, Sites could have uh, attacked Verstappen, but he didn't get that chance. Science deserved that for the safety car restart. You're right. And I, the only reason I can kind of think of, it is, and it shouldn't be the reason, I can only think of that it's a, a definite way of, make, of making sure Perez doesn't keep the position is to say, do it when they're at racing speed, not do it before the safety car. Safety car. Um, and I just think if it is that, that's stupid. Um, they do way because, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, so it seems a bit kind of bizarre that that wasn't done and it was clear to the naked eye. So poor decision, but um, hopefully that, I mean, science has been beating his drum about that. So I reckon that'll be in the driver's briefing in Australia. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the thing for me. I hope they do kind of learn from it or kind of make a clarification on that because it's not, you know, it's not even like a um, a difficult thing to measure, really. You know, it, it's literally you look at the replay, you pause it when one of them hits the safety car line or the pit lane exit line first, and that's that. It's it doesn't seem to. You know, it shouldn't have been that difficult to um, get to the bottom of, I think. So, yeah, you know, it's not... Luckily, it kind of didn't affect the race win outcome and it was kind of battling for the podium rather than win. But, yeah, I agree. It kind of, you know, it was... Yeah, it was it was messy for F1. The thing is, F1 have introduced this VAR-type system for this year as well, which we haven't seen yet, we don't think. Surely this is the type of incident which would have been perfect for it. It was like... You know, they've clearly made a mistake. So then someone should have been telling race control uh, reverse the positions, surely. It's also the type of incident where... Um, actually, I think I might have answered it now. It's also the type of incident where um, they say... Um, no, I haven't answered it. Sorry, I, I, you can and see the Anyone cogs watching on YouTube will have seen cogs going around in Freddie's head then. <laughs> so it's the kind of incident that um, the race directors have said sort out amongst yourselves now, guys. We're not going to tell you what to do. Um, and that's being given a lot of press, that kind of um, mentality. And I think because it's a safety car line, that becomes a bit um, um, uh, of a hard line for them to walk, whether they actually intervene or not. And I think they didn't really want to intervene. They wanted the teams to sort it out themselves. And then, um, which kind of thing, I was kind of like, uh, the reason my cogs were wearing was kind of like, maybe Red Bull then, wanted to protect Verstappen by making Perez do it at the restart and then saying, we are going to do it, we're going to do it at the restart. But then I kind of yeah. thought, well, no, because surely they would want to prefer to get Perez on the attack rather than on the definite giving up of a position. So I don't know if that's something that's been weighed up from that. Well, then you say, to do with race control. But, then you could um, say Brussels could have got Perez down, possibly. Exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a theorem at best. I, it's, I mean, it's not even a hypothesis because I don't I think th that's probably the case. I think from the stewards' end, that would make sense. That was kind of something I was considering before, but I think if that is the logic that they're using, that's extremely flawed because it's not like, like we've just said, it kind of messes up the balance and kind of the natural order of how things should have been from the restart and teams are getting advantage and disadvantaged out of that. So I think if, if that was something from the stewards' end, I think, you know, it. I, I'm not kind of, necessary I don't know I don't kind of wholeheartedly agree with the not getting involved mm. for things like this anyway 
but even in this scenario then i think they you know it's a pretty cut and dry thing to get sorted so yeah that was yeah that was that i mean the whole the whole period the going to yellow flags and then virtual safety car and taking like quite a long time to go to safety car seems strange to me anyway i think it was a bit of a weird the way they handled the whole thing was a bit strange but there we go yeah. they were they were very hard um hard line on uh joe guan Yu leaving the track and getting an advantage and they gave him a five second penalty um which led to even more calamity for him later on but that's not for now um so I think with this, I think they didn't want to tackle it and then kind of should have tackled it because they're kind of thinking, oh, it's something we should be, they should organise between themselves. And because it's a safety car, they've got time to do that. So I think they'll try and just say, do it yourself. Um, we don't need to look after you. But I think they should do when it's a um, thing, like a safety car line, um, really, because that's uh, it gives them time to deal with it. It's not like it's wasting their time by looking at every single time someone goes a little bit wide. The other thing that, or one of the other things that kind of annoyed me about race control was that uh, when they didn't, when they chose to not have a safety car, but a virtual safety car when Ricardo and Alonso stopped, I thought, there's like, when they're doing the virtual safety car speed, they're still going past, what, 120, 130, uh, you know, when, the, depending on if, if the braking or, or, or not and stuff like that. So, and I just think if there's marshals pushing two cars you know, on a tight track and the cars are flying by, that is the time for a safety car. So I was a bit surprised at that. And it also it also took quite a long time as well because they could have closed the pit entry straight away, but they didn't, and instead it, it allowed uh, Magnussen and Hulkenberg to pit. So it took too long to do the procedure, and then they chose the wrong. Procedure, I think. So that was another bugbear. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I tweeted about this as well. It's, Out it's hard. Codes, whatever. Oh, sorry, I forgot your Twitter. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's it. I can remember <laughs> if that was your Instagram or not. And, you know, I don't want to be outing you. So, no, my public Instagram, let's not give it away. Um, at Freddie.coat. And, um, but yes, I tweeted about that. And, on my Twitter, not my Instagram, and basically said, yeah, it's just it, actually a really serious point, which feels very flippant now. Um, but yeah, it's in way, this track is way too narrow for a VSC at any point, surely, that kind of thing. And particularly that point, that part of the track, which feels, is so high speed and so narrow, and you're going to have cars sort of weaving around with um, wanting to go into the pits and things like that. So it's and when the pit lane isn't being closed for so long. And it just feels like with marshals running on track, their, their thought isn't, oh, it could be a car behind me. Their thought is, I need to do the best thing to get this car out of off track. So give them a safety car, give them the time to not be stressing about running with a car. Same with when they had the safety car, the Latifi's crash. They just drove a crane right down the narrowest part of the track. Didn't we learn from Formula E in Saudi? But no, apparently not. So they did that, they did that in the 402 sprint race as well. They had, they had yes, two big cranes next to the because Jack Dune and Sergeant. someone else crashed. That's it. Yeah. They had two massive cranes and the field had to all slow down. They just got by. It was ridiculous, quite frankly. And yeah, with the I... with the <clears throat> Formula Two, there was um a big story from that with um was Chen Bollock Bassi 
not being able to start the race because he had concussion. And it took four minutes for the crews to get to him after a crash in, qualif- uh, in yeah. qualifying, I think. That's, that's ridiculous. Practice, okay. That's ridiculous. They should be there on the scene immediately. That's, that's unbelievably slow. And I'm, I think that's appalling performance from, um, well, just either if it's just the position of marshals, then, then there needs to be a lot of review of the circuit. But yeah, mm. I I agree with all of those points. I think especially the VSC, it was just kind of scary, really, when you're seeing the the cars going past the marshals that really aren't that far away, um, and yeah, I. I just don't, I don't see why you wouldn't call a safety car then. I don't, I don't see what the kind of downside is to that or what the upside is to calling a VSC instead. It just seemed a really, yeah, a kind of a really strange decision. And they, yeah, it, it, it things just seemed a bit off all weekend as you've touched on um, in great detail already. And yeah, hopefully, to be honest, hopefully that this is something that they go over now so that it's not coming up you know, in a, with more serious consequences, because it's one of those things that it really, any of these things that we've listed doesn't take that much to go into a really catastrophic scenario. If there's just a bit of difference in a crash, then all these yeah. things matter 10 times more. And yeah, I, I really hope they are proactive in that and look at it and change or, you know, just change the mindset. Because it, you know, I don't know whether yeah. it is a, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, rules yeah, yeah. thing, it just seems to be mindset. I completely agree with that. Mindset is a really good point to make because we've, I think there's been a sort of clamour for some time that there should be differences in the way things are handled, but they're just not. And particularly with the crane point um, and uh, trying to save racing action, if you will, it, it, it becomes kind of difficult in my mind to see why, why at all these cranes are being in this position. There should be uh, should there be more access points? Should there be um, cranes that can go over? We don't know. Should, what's a key way of doing this? It's um, really it's it's red flag for five minutes. You can do a red flag and say we're going to do it for two minutes, and do that kind of thing and say don't don't get out of your car. It's just because we want to put a crane on track for two and a half minutes, say, and you can do that. It, there's no. Yeah, you can change the regulations to make that a thing because they change the regulations to make things like that a thing all the time. It's just there's some kind of thing, you know, a red flag has to be given like 10 minutes warning or something of a restart. So they're hesitant to do that. But um, you can change regulations for safety and it's essentially forced through because it's usually a good idea and I'm stuff like this isn't. Just the last part on the virtual safety car thing is I think on proper street tracks like like Jeddah, like Singapore, like Monaco, I don't think a virtual safety car should ever be used unless a car is parked next to a marshal's post and there's a gap and he can just put it in. Apart from that, I don't see any other scenario when a virtual safety car should be used. It should always be a safety car or it should be a red flag. Uh, and that is the rule I would have. Yeah, I think that seems seems sensible and yeah. I think we're all just kind of hoping that this is a bit of a change before there's serious consequences. So, yeah. Either of you got anything to add on any more incidents in race control corner or we... Uh, oh, I think there's it. a reason. I think the, re- the the race shouldn't have ended under green. 
and or on double wave yellows in sector one. From what we mm. saw of the Stroll album collision where album was parked up, um, I think maybe they should have finished under safety car with that. Um, what, or at least finishing the VSC for that. They definitely the should have. They definitely should have penalised Magnussen, Sainz, and Perez. I think because they were those three drivers were were investigated for speeding. And Sainz, I mean, I've not seen the other footage with Sainz. He barely lifted. I think he lost about one tenth through, through that corner, which is yeah. absolutely nothing. Yet he got he gets away with it. And I think with these things, especially when we have got new race directors as well, we've got to. You know, going hard, be strict, set a precedent, quite frankly, because now the precedent is you can get away with it. And that is absolutely not right. So that's another annoying thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we all agree with that. And again, just really fingers crossed that it does change and that safety. It, it Really, I won't say it to be clear and obvious that safety is the number one concern. That's kind of it. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like there is 100% on that. So, yeah, hopefully that changes, but we shall see. Moving on, the other big story of the race was Hamilton eventually coming back to finish 10th. He was running, I think, in sixth for some of the race. He had a decent fight back and was aided by a lot of people pitting in the first safety car. But that meant at the end, he had to pit there was the pit lane closing when Ricardo and Alonso both retired on lap 35 and that really put a hammer into his race. And yeah, he had to pit a not great time, slide back and he did manage to recover and finish in the points. But do you think it was the right strategy call for Mercedes to start him on the hard tie to begin with? I think so. I think with hindsight, no, because of what happened. Oh, because wow. it, 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 it couldn't have, you know, that safe, that first safety car couldn't have come at a worse time because it was after 15 laps when the medium tyres had done enough laps. Uh, so then he can get to the end. So then that really killed his race, really, along with Hulkenberg and Magnussen. So, but, but I, I don't uh, think you, with, with hindsight, yes, that did. But I think going into that race, starting on the hardest, I think was a very good idea because they will go for a long time. You can let there be a bit of carnage unfolding and work around that and gradually creep up while other people do early pit stops. And really, chances are, there could have well been a red flag and then he puts on some mediums at the red flag and yeah. it's sixth, isn't pretty. So I think it was the right strategy to go for um, at the start. I think, yeah, it didn't work because of the um, the the... Just really the timing of when he went round past Ricardo, um, yeah. which is unfortunate because had he been five seconds back, he would have pissed and it would have been um, wonderful. Um, might not have made the greatest deal of difference to his race based on where he ended up with Magnussen anyway. Um, but I think that was, I think the strategy was actually on paper actually pretty good, but it just yeah. was messed over, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I would have done the same thing. It was just, misfortune just like Perez uh, when he lost the net lead it was just, just like that mm. you can do it next time yeah I think I think it's not kind of inconceivable you know like hindsight is a wonderful thing but I don't, you know on a track like Saudi Arabia I don't I don't think it's inconceivable pre-race to think that you know having a safety car around then 
you know, it, it yeah, seemed if, very If a red flag comes out on lap 35, then Houghton's right in the ballpark, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I, d- flags, I don't... We had, what, two last, re- last time in Saudi? Two red mm, flags, yeah. numerous safety cars around that. Well, kind of yellow flags around that. So you kind of expect that there would be that, that it could well come to you very likely. Mm. But I think you, you can also expect that there'll be a safety car, you know, kind of in At the wrong time, around the yeah. pit window. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't think it's one. If it was at Silverstone or Monza or something like that, I'd go, yeah, you know, that was kind of unforeseeable. But I think, you know, it's they ran the risk. I think it was kind of a more high risk, high reward strategy for them, which okay. really is what they've got to be trying to do at the moment. Yeah. And yeah, Nigel doesn't agree with that. But because if, if you start on the mediums, he's just going to follow everyone else. He had to do something different. I don't think he will. I think the way he the way he made up ground on the hards. I think he's he's still doing that on the medium. It's just relying on his racing skill to do it rather than you know and get maybe a bit less far up the grid. When you think about it from the safety car perspective, if there wasn't a safety car and he started on hards, he would have been detached at the back. If he'd started on mediums and it would have been a, say, ordinary race, he would have had the pace earlier on to make up a few positions while the pack's closer together. Um, That's harder on the hards. Um, No pun intended. But it's, yeah, I, I see where Nigel's coming from. It's kind of like you are relying on a safety car and that kind of thing. And yeah, I agree with you, Adam. That's a high risk strategy and it was the right thing to go for. But um, starting on the heart, I mean, there's, this is a com- this, we don't need to have this conversation. They had this in Mercedes on Saturday night. This is what happened. That's what happened. End of. He finished 10th. He got one point. That's cool. Let's move on. I think that slightly, <laughs> that slightly has sledgehammered the entire concept of review, race review podcast. But anyway, you know, we will try and soldier on past that. For, the reason the he was down there is because of his shocking core part anyway. So that's, you know, that's the main thing. Really. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad we got a ground something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was shocked as we discussed on, the, on, on Saturday. The, on the fact that his starting position was 15th and he qualified 16th. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, moving on from that, I think the other main thing that I want to talk about, I know Nigel has a few more things on his list, but the main thing I want to talk <laughs> about is the Alpine battle, which was absolutely fantastic. I That was one of the highlights of the race because it was yeah. so tight it kind of brought other drivers into play and i really enjoyed watching it that being said what were your thoughts do you think it was the right thing for alpine to do where do you kind of stand on the teammates racing just a discussion on that i think it was incredibly exciting but i do think some of the moves were from ocon's side personally i think more were a bit over the line in terms of yes um racing and we've seen this with Ocon a lot that he's he loves a move under braking and that's not on. Um, so I think he, I think Ocon needs to tone it back a little bit, and I don't think he will, which is worrying. But um, I think do you remember in um, Silverstone in twenty twenty, Grosjean stayed out and did all these sketchy defensive moves, and yes. that was like the biggest one of the biggest talking points of that race was how crap that was and I think Ocon's moves were like that and it's just cars are closer this year and the closing speed looks even worse and stuff like that so it's it's something that I kind of thought I don't like that 
thought the, most of the racing I thought was thrilling. I thought there were a few over the line. I think there was one chop that Ocon did on Bottas that was yes. really bad. Um, but I really didn't like that. Um, but I think for the most part, it was really good fun. And I like I like it when, back to your original point, Adam, sorry, I sidetracked that. But I like sure. it when teams let their drivers fight. I do think drivers do need to respect the team, particularly in the midfield point, um, where so, somewhere like Alpinar, where they were in a good position, they were able to fight where they were. They were, had good pace and Alonso had more pace and they, he deserved, Ocon deserved to be able to hold that position because he earned it in qualifying and Alonso had more pace in the race, deserved to race for that position. But when Bottas is in your mirrors and then you've got, um, I want to say Magnussen right there as well, close, closing in on that. That's when you start to think, okay, guys, okay, hold it now, hold it now. Work together, build a gap, build a gap. This isn't the end, but we're Alpine. You were employed by us. You were members of the team. End of. And yeah. I think that got lost a touch um, at points in that. But um, I think that's just for something for Alpine to look at. I think they were helped a bit. By really by Bottas actually overtaking Ocon, I mean they didn't have to worry <laughs> about it anymore, and that shouldn't be the case. I think Sorry, in this, I, in, I, think, I think Ocon was a bit desperate for me, especially when he tried to re-overtake Alonso twice and he cut the chicane, and that's that's just a bit a little bit too far for me. Like to do to do that against your teammate, you know, it's it's not too bad when you when you're doing it against someone who's not your teammate, but to, to do it against Alonso perhaps a little bit too far, but I think it comes back down to the teams and the team didn't tell Alonso or Ocon to not race that hard. So I think it's a case of if the team did tell them to stop racing and they carried on, that's when it's a driver's fault. But the team didn't say say anything. So I think for me, because the team didn't say anything, it was all right. And I think it was just very, very hard on the, on the, on the, on the limit racing. Yeah, I, I really, really like it. I think I really like it oh, from yeah. Otmar and he was on Sky Sports kind of as it was going on and um, Crofty was trying to kind of, I don't know, trying to Wind go him with him into an answer. Yeah, and trying to, you know, get him to say, oh, we want the drivers to stop and he didn't. He was just saying, you know, we'll see how it plays out. And I think it was fantastic. I think I've not kind of heard anything from um, Alonso or... Ocon really saying they didn't like it. it you know if you're a driver and you're a racing driver if you if the two drivers are staying on the limit you know that should be what you live for and yeah I I think it's fantastic and you know in in the end the road will decide the track will decide and that whether we'll see that kind of later in the season when there's more at stake I don't know but I think now at this point for preserving kind of team harmony and team equality at the moment as much as anything else then I you know I think it's a good move and hope I, yeah, it'd be cool if more drivers do it. I think it's a problem accentuated by the um, three DRS zones and the fact that this track seems to be really helpful for drivers having another pop um, and with their pace being so similar. That was always, I think, I think they probably um, didn't anticipate quite how much they'd be able to continue to fight with each other. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree with you, Adam. It's thrilling stuff to see cars racing. That's why we that's why we do this. So seeing yeah. that and so really, you know, yeah, for all the stuff we've just said about the uh, aggression, there were some really proper good bits of racing in that too. Yeah, and that's kind of that's the only other thing I wanted to say is these cars really seem to be able to follow well. 
like it, on a track like this it, which is just you know like the antithesis of what was good for the cars of last generation i thought these just seemed such a step forward on that i know having the 3d rs zones helped but yeah i just oh, thought no, but this is prime this is a prime ground effect racetrack high speed corners meaning that that's when the floor is at its working at its most and that's when we need that's what these cars are focusing on the most so these kind of tracks are designed for these cars a slow speed track i think is going to be very very different and interesting to see um but with such a high speed track like this that's exactly designed for the cars to race in this way and uh there's a reason they just uh, ocon said it was like a go-kart race and yeah i completely agree adam you're bang on thank you so bang tidy any other any other drivers that either of you want to give shout outs to or list or harangue I think Haas and Alpha Romeo will be disappointed because I think yeah. they had the cars that cars that were definitely good enough to score points. I'd even go as far as saying Haas had the third or fourth fastest cars, just Magnussen having never driven at the track and then Schumacher not even starting the race. They only, they only ended up scoring two points. So I think they'll be a bit disappointed that they couldn't make the most of the strong car that they've got. Yeah, uh, The same with Bottas with him. Uh, dropping out when he was six or seventh, I think he was. Uh, so that's a shame as well. And, you know, we don't know how these cars are going to be developed. And uh, Alpha and Haas might, might might look back at this race and think we missed out on a chance to get fifth, sixth or seventh there. Uh, so I think those will be the two teams that are most disappointed probably from this weekend. I think I, think I agree with that. I think... Um... Obviously, Haas went into the race with a uh, hand behind their back with Mix um, uh, crash from yes uh, from qualifying and not taking part. Um, Magnussen's neck also came off in qualifying, so we couldn't. He, he said he should be fifth, but anyway, um, yeah, you, you're bang on with that. And I think the only thing that really kind of let them down, I mean, is Alfa Romeo seemed to manage that race very poorly, in my opinion. Um, I think mean, Car had the pace. I don't think they man um, did very well with. Um, basically just the way they managed it. We saw that with everything to do with Joe Guan Yu's race being something that seemed to be just um, putting him further and further back. And he still finished 11th somehow. Um, yeah, because there are only 12 finishers. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> but he's still ahead of people. Um, I think there were 13, weren't there? Or did, but there was, was that, oh, Stroll. Was classified? Oh, okay. Yeah, classified, um, yeah, but Stroll and okay, that one. That's more. different. Um Okay, that, that was different in my mind then. But um, it was just kind of like he had a penalty, probably deserved penalty, and then just they seemed to not, they seemed to put the jack under the car during the five-second penalty and then take it out and then put a different jack under it. And then it just gave, they gave himself a five-second penalty, which then gave himself a drive-through. So that was poor because, I mean, I did probably then at the grand scheme of the end of the glorious hindsight as this podcast is, probably going to be titled um could have been a point could have been could with hamilton's woes who knows maybe you could have been able to be in a better position around there you don't know so it's it it's not not they need to get need to you know they've got the pace to be midfield teams you need to act like one now yeah, yeah, exactly. We saw this last year as well. Uh, you know, it went a bit unnoticed because Alpha didn't have mm. a great season last year. But Raikkonen and, and Giovinazzi, there were some awful strategic uh, decisions and pit stops from Alpha last year 
But now they've got the pace, now they're under the spotlight a bit more, it's coming back to hurt them. So they've got to sort this out because it's been happening for at least 12 months now. Yeah, I think, you know, nicer problems to have than being detached at the back of a race. But yeah, there's ground to be made there. I think they'll be disappointed. I think the most disappointed driver will be Yuki Sonoda because he went to Saudi Arabia and didn't turn a wheel in anger over the weekend and he had a power unit issue that stopped him taking part in the race so that's another one that's a fourth in two races for Red Bull so lots to look at for them there and digest but we aren't engineers so I can't give any more insight than that. Yes um, they won't be calling us to digest Mm. their engines. No well if they are then they're in big trouble. Freddie any other drivers you want to touch on? I don't think it was a good weekend for Nicholas Latifi. Um, That's fair. Um, I think he he obviously crashed in qualifying and he crashed in the race. Um, and the crash in qualifying did look a bit more out of control and like uh, a bit harder one to catch. You could say it's one of those ones. The crash in the race seemed a bit more odd um, to me. Um, but yeah, I think it needs a good weekend in, in Melbourne, um, which is, you know, early for someone to need a good weekend, but he needs a good weekend. Yeah. Cause his Bahrain wasn't good as well. His Bahrain, exactly. not as bad as Saudi, but his Bahrain was pretty below average. Uh, so yeah, he's probably been the worst driver so far this year. Uh, I know. And I, I'm normally the first Unfortunately. To, yeah. I normally the first to say, look at this positive part of Nicky's performance, because I think um, particularly 2021, he actually had a very good season and yeah. people are easy, quick to judge um, Latifi because he, he's not George Russell and that kind of, but he did have a very good year, particularly the latter half of that year. Uh, but it's just, I don't know, hopefully he can get his handle around this new generation and move in with, um, move forwards with his performance, but the first two races have left a lot to be desired there. And I think the only other team I want to touch on is McLaren, uh, a massive improvement from Bahrain. Going off what Norris said, when he said they are really, really bad in the slow corners, I do fear that this could be the high point of the season. Now, that might sound crazy, but considering the track layout, high-speed corners, there's not too many more tracks like this apart from what Silverstone and Spa, perhaps. So it wouldn't surprise me if McLaren end up, you know, getting but getting knocked out in Q1 over, over the next three, four races. Uh, this could be the best result for a, you know for, for quite a while. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, obviously, but I don't think McLaren fans should be too, I guess, jubilant about seventh. I think scrapping for sixth is brilliant for the Norris yeah. and just testament to the driver um and ricardo was actually up there this weekend as well yeah, so good him. for him needed yeah. to have a good weekend ricardo did have a good weekend so until the, apart uh, from the from, end <laughs> yeah apart from the, the end yeah. right uh his side was good um yeah so he's going into his first home grand prix uh since 2019 so hopefully with the new track revisions there we'll probably talk about that in um uh podcast next week um but the track revisions there lending themselves to a bit more speed who knows maybe they'll um help mclaren a bit more maybe they'll yeah. have got a few a few more handles on probably the first race we'll see some proper upgrades um 
naming no Mercedes new floor rumors, claxing, claxing, claxing. But anyway, um, we'll see. And I'm yeah, I agree with Nigel. Great. He's moving on to Scary. I agree with Nigel. I say that yeah. too many things now. But this podcast, <laughs> it's amazing we managed to drag it out, considering it should just be Nigel says something, and I say I agree with Nigel, and then we end the podcast. <laughs> It never used to be like this. Something's just changed this year. I don't, I don't know why. You've grown up. Bless him. He's figured out how to have the right opinion. <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll <laughs> wrap up. I think the only the other thing to mention is Mick Schumacher was released from hospital. Um, yes. So we'll await updates for him in Australia. But it looks positive from there. And we will be back to discuss, to look ahead to Australia. And yeah, first Australian Grand Prix in a while so it's nice to have that back some changes on two cars and the track so we'll be there to discuss that but for now thank you very much for listening and goodbye <laughs>